Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence brought to you by Soapbox. We're in the business of social media and influencer marketing. So we talk to people every day who've built brands, fans, and followers. We're intrigued by the idea of influence. What makes certain people so compelling? Join us each and every week as we raise our glasses with captivating individuals and dig into what it means to develop a personal brand and have true influence. Cheers to real people and riveting stories. Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast with Soapbox Influence. This is Beth Stevens, and I am thrilled to be here today with Sydney Bass. Hi, Sydney. Hi, Beth. It's so good to talk to you today and see those amazing earrings. I hope a few folks are watching the recording. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yeah, so they'll have to tune in now. <laughs> yes, exactly. That was the teaser. Well, tell us uh-huh. a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to just chat today. My name is Sydney. Like you said, um, I am a personal stylist. I'm a mindset coach and a business strategist, and I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I've been there for quite some time, 12 years, I think. So. Oh, gosh, yeah. I love that. And you and I, we were talking about this recently. Um, we originally met through Rebel and actually Shannon mm-hmm. Siriano Greenwood was a guest with us last season. Um, yeah. I attended Rebel in Richmond, maybe, gosh, I don't know, three or four years ago, pre-pandemic and heard you mm-hmm. speak and um, found what you do really oh, compelling. Yeah. yeah. And so okay, I started- so that was when I moderated the yes, panel. Yes, that's right. Got yeah. It. So I started keeping up with Connecting. you and just have found your business really interesting. And I love the way you introduce yourself as, you know, certainly being in the style and fashion and coaching space, but also mindset and business. So mm-hmm. has that been the case from the get-go that these things have been blended for you? I feel like that's a newer um, evolution for yes. you. Yes. Heck Heck no, they definitely have not. Like it wasn't even mindset and things like that weren't really even on my radar. I mean, business coaching was not on my radar when I first started either because I didn't know what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? So that's all of us. It really, <laughs> right, still is like mm-hmm. today, but no, it just kind of stemmed from not even like a love of fashion per se, which is what I, I like that because I really believe that style can be taught because I was not like into fashion. I wasn't dressing Mm -hmm. up in my mom's clothes or anything like that when I was growing up. I was very kind of like Mm tomboyish and actually went to school for social work. I have a master's in social work and a master's in Christian ed. And so it's kind of like a hard left turn (laughs) into fashion when I found it. And I just found it through the fashion blog world when that first started to kind of bubble up in like 2009-ish. And Mm -hmm. was just really interesting to me that people were like getting dressed in cool ways and putting that on the internet. And from there, just kind of snowballed Mm -hmm. And mindset really came into play a lot more once I started to really get into my business and I was working for myself. And Mm -hmm. I realized like, okay, there's more to this that I need to really understand Mm -hmm. to really kind of help me. And really, really came into play when I went through a divorce in 2019 Mm -hmm. and started just doing a ton of personal growth work and was implementing that in business coaching that I was doing. And now I'm really strongly emphasizing it in my styling work because it's so related and it, I think just makes the connection stronger when you can tie in either what's going on in your life or what's going on Mm -hmm. in the past or how you're evolving as a person with your clothes or with your style or even, you know, in your business or your life in Mm -hmm. general. I love that. And I think Honestly, um, I love that you referenced a couple of things there in both 2009 and 2019, because that um, had me rewinding a bit. 
Um, I kind of started early in the blogging and social media world in kind of 2007, 8, 9. And I love that you plunged into it at that time. And then, you know, similarly, as you think about that kind of leapfrog effect of, you know, how we evolve and all of those things that kind of change and who we are, they really do affect how we show up in the world. And I watched you, I think, kind of not publicly, but um, through your business and keeping up with you on social media, go through some of that separation, divorce Mm -hmm. and evolution. And honestly, that's one of the things that made you feel very compelling to me and very real. Um, you know, we all talk about our friends on the internet, right? Which is essentially what influencer influencers are. You feel like you have a relationship with this person and you connect to them. So how was some of that? You you shared a lot of those personal things um, at the same time that you, you know, I think were representing your business very well. So was that a conscious choice for you? Um, that's a good, deep question. I <laughs> don't think it was super conscious of like, I was trying to keep some things private in the moment, right? Because it was like very real, (laughs) like in the moment going through things. And I think even now I'm still kind of navigating, like how much do I want to share and how do I share it with integrity? Right. Cause there's more than just me involved and, Mm -hmm. and also feeling compelled to want to share more of those things, because I think it is that Mm -hmm. transformation, evolution and vulnerability that you connect with, with people. And I think it showcases that importance or like deeper work of the mindset stuff and how you do it when you have a business or you have a brand. Mm -hmm. And so I would say I was definitely sharing. I was doing less of my business at that time, but still kind of sort of sharing and keeping people in the loop. It was just really hard for me mentally to like proactively run a business. Um, And so I was just kind of doing the bare minimum um, Mm -hmm. that I could. And then just sharing like in little glimpses as things were going. And as I felt like that maybe it would be like helpful or yeah, I guess just helpful for people mm-hmm. yeah, in some little small way. So it was like conscious, but maybe unconscious too. And just kind of maybe doing things as I've always done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, and certainly not something that we want to dig way deep into. You and I have had our own conversations offline, but I think mm-hmm. it's so interesting because you never overtly said during those years, here's what I'm dealing with. But it Mm -hmm. was there. And I think for anyone who was tuned in, there was awareness. And I thought, I think that takes some strength and thoughtfulness. And a lot of the conversation today is, you know, you mentioned how you shared, but did it with integrity. And we talk a lot about when you have influence, how you wield it. And sometimes we have Mm -hmm. guests on the show, I think maybe perhaps like yourself, who, you know, you're, you're not out there with half a million followers, right? And so you're thinking this is interesting. Why am I being asked to talk about influence when I don't necessarily identify as an influencer by day, right? Um, But I think that you're a person with a microphone, both literally and figuratively. Mm. And, (laughs) um, you know, you have influence on people's lives and their choices and they turn to you for advice and input. So I guess, you know, what are some of your kind of to go even deeper on that? What are some of your guardrails, you know, or ground rules for yourself around how you show up and, and guard that? Somebody on the internet (laughs) at one point in time said something along the lines of it's important to share, but share like once you've processed the thing and not necessarily sharing kind of in the like messy moment. Yeah. And when you are unable to process it. Right. And so there is a balance between having that rawness and realness Mm -hmm. and also not making yourself too 
open mm-hmm. to people. And so I think you kind of have to be, or I have to be like in a space where I feel good and confident or mm. whatever about what, what I'm talking about or yeah. actions or things that I've done so that I don't necessarily get swayed by people's comments or mm-hmm. start to go into people pleasing mode or like justification yeah. or things like that. Maybe if someone disagrees or whatever the right. case is, um, or even if people do agree, right? Like yeah. either extreme is sometimes not helpful. And so I think that boundary kind of helps me filter what I do want to share. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even sometimes lately, it's a balance too between how much to share period on social media yeah. and, you know, wanting to like, just not be on social media sometimes yeah. and not share anything. Um, and I think lately I mostly just share about my chickens. And so <laughs> that's <laughs> like, you know, it's just very like what I want to share. And then I think also lately I've been drawn to kind of like unfiltered things and like mm-hmm. those real or like moments, but also balancing it with things that are on brand and like look sure. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think definitely social media, I talked a lot a couple of years ago about social media boundaries and mm-hmm. that really being how you want to set up social media and your interaction with people. Yeah. And I took this a lot. I had seen it in like the interior design world mm. is where I first saw it in like home DIYs, like two really kind of well-known bloggers there, like had these social media boundaries. Mm. And it was this idea of when you go into somebody's DMs, you say, hi, hello, like, how are you? It's this idea that the person right. on the other end is still a person. There's courtesy. Mm-hmm. And some instead of falling into just like, where'd you get that shirt from? Or like, can you give me this thing, right? Especially if there's not a relationship. Sort of a Um, gimme. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so I've I've emphasized that more or less kind of over the years, but it's also kind of a tenet that I try to take when I respond to people, like saying, hi, like Beth, like (laughs) you're a person, I'm a person, like we're on the other side of this thing and it's a relationship versus like just, yeah, the give me kind of Mm -hmm. energy. So I would say those two things really kind of, guide mm-hmm. what I share and then trying to share with like intention and impact yeah. too. So if I am sharing about my business or it's a story I'm sharing, how is that going to get someone to think differently about their style or their mm. business or their life and yeah. not just like sharing to share it? Yeah. Like I'm always looking for that kind of twist to tie mm-hmm. it back for someone so that it lands with them. I love that. I think that that was a really interesting response. And I loved what you said about, no, I thought that was great about social media boundaries. And I find it interesting how many people we have on the podcast who, you know, like myself, like you to a certain extent, work in social media, work in marketing, work in this arena of putting themselves or putting brands out there and then talk about those boundaries and needing to occasionally step away from social media or needing Mm -hmm. to like contain it which I think is great for people to hear that you can both work in and enjoy this world and also understand that it it requires, you know, some guardrails. And there's so much yeah. you said there that I kind of want to dig into a little bit. But one was just you used the word confidence and you talked a little bit about the tenet of, you know, trying to make people think and consider and, and draw information out which I find it interesting that your business is both output and, you know, coaching and and guiding and then receiving, you know, it's a little bit of therapy, right? And so as you've, (laughs) as you've pulled in some of these certifications, which I would love for you to talk about um, modalities and so on, 
Mm-hmm. Um, how have you blended those things? Because you're you're a coach, you're a therapist, you have these certifications, but you're also you're a listener and and a, a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of certifications because <laughs> I like to learn things. Um, sometimes I use them more than others. Um, so I have like my yoga teacher training certification, which I got in like 2018, and most recently the ones you're talking about. I'm certified in neurolinguistic programming (NLP). EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, which is tapping. Mm. Um, most people are f- familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, success coaching, time techniques, which is a really cool like thing that you can go and do and kind of go back in the past and like release emotions mm. around events. Mm. It's usually the emotions that we're like hanging on to. Mm. So you can like release or reduce them. Mm. Um, and then hypnotherapy. Wow. Those are the five. Yeah. How and interesting. So I have use these modalities. I mean, really got really, really into them when I was going through my divorce. I was like in kind of more, I guess it was talk therapy, like traditional therapy, but my therapist was like into art mandalas. So Mm. I would like have to draw these images from my subconscious Mm. and like, I always kind of resisted it. Yeah. And when I look back at them, they're some of the most powerful like representations of my life and like how it was shifting. And as I was going through and making changes And so he was definitely a little more on the kind of like woo-woo side of things, if you will, Um, which I appreciated because I do feel like it's those channels into the subconscious, which really help shift things. Mm -hmm. And so I started also seeing a hypnotherapist um, Mm -hmm. for kind of like these like spot treatments, if you will, like notice something coming up and I'd be like, okay, I had this instance and I felt really triggered Mm. and here's what I want to like do. And so in hypnosis, I really think about it as like a guided meditation with your subconscious or a guided conversation. It's really just a meditation. However, the practitioner, whoever is helping it, like they're giving you guided imagery, they're giving you metaphors, they're giving you some of that NLP type language. It's going to be suggestive to rewiring, reprogramming, kind of dumping or reducing the things that you don't hmm. really want. So, um, interesting. so I was using, yeah, a lot of that stuff for myself. And I kind of always had in my head that I wanted to get the NLP certification. And so funny story about that is I was like Googling it <laughs> randomly. It's like had this like idea to do it and I was trying to do it on my phone. And I don't know if I'm just like older than I look, <laughs> but like <laughs> I like to do things on my laptop because on my phone sometimes it's like too confusing for me. So I was on <laughs> PayPal and I basically accidentally signed up for this program, like pay in full $2,500. And I was like, oh God, like- what did I just do? I didn't really mean to do that. So I like, canceled it with them. And then I was like, I guess it's my sign. So I redid it. Um, so I ended funny. up getting the certification um, <laughs> in April and really uh, having that in my back pocket. Cause I'd kind of sort of been doing it already with people okay. in that I had read a lot of books or I've been in other kind of worlds where they use these modalities, okay. but I wasn't trained in it. And I didn't have necessarily some of the, the techniques that I have now. I didn't mm. quite know how to use it more effectively. And mm-hmm. so that is what I really wanted to do in Glean because like I said before, it's just the inner stuff and the subconscious and the conscious language, which we talked about earlier, yeah. really does drive a lot of how you end up showing up in the world. It mm-hmm. drives a lot of the energy that's coming to you. Yeah. And I think we have more control over that than we think or we give ourselves credit for. Mm. And some of those things we just don't necessarily know. We haven't been taught right. like mm-hmm. certain things, or there's this just kind of collective way in which we talk that mm. I think can be shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
into more positive things. So I've, I love that you, and I kind of, yeah, go no, ahead. please go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, I kind of integrate it almost like seamlessly. Right. I think at first I wasn't quite sure. I was like, I have some sessions where we can do like really specific, like hypnosis or time techniques on one specific thing. But then in styling work, it's almost more like I'm noticing things as people say it. And I'll say, cool here, let's talk about conscious language yes. <laughs> when you're talking about how you don't like how you look or you don't like a certain mm. thing, right? Like, how can we shift that mm-hmm. um, and shift that pattern in what you're talking about? Because that's going to change the way how you dress and how you shop and all of those things. So it's kind of more of a subtle integration mm-hmm. in that way. You do it very seamlessly. Um, as you referenced, you and I spoke earlier and are, are doing some work and having some conversations on the side. And I really like your thought process around conscious language. Mm-hmm. And I that's actually now I think I can kind of pinpoint why I thought you would be so interesting on the podcast because we, you know, primarily I would say our listeners are either influencers or they're in the shopper marketing world, right? In the consumer packaged goods and retail and, and um, again, shopper marketing space. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, how you position either yourself, your personal brand or even an object, right, that you're Mm -hmm. attempting to persuade or convince the public to try. Those conscious language uh, choices are so essential, particularly Mm -hmm. for someone who considers themselves or uh, aspires to be an influencer. So can you dig into that thought process a little bit around conscious language choice just a bit deeper? Yeah. I think as I was explaining to you, it's kind of awkward in a Mm -hmm. way too, when you start to shift from our default way of speaking and our default mm-hmm. way of speaking is kind of on the negative. It's, I don't want this, or I w- want something different and normally be in the negative, right? So a mm-hmm. lot of times, yeah, we'll say, I don't want this, or I want this to be different. And it's a sh- kind of, you're shifting it or turning it on its head. Instead of saying, I don't want this, it's saying, I want X. So, or even instead of saying, I want it to be different, you want to actually put in the positive, the thing you actually want. So you want Mm. to kind of name that, right? And so it is a big shift from saying, I don't want to be frumpy. You're really actually conveying you want to be frumpy because our subconscious doesn't hear the negative. (laughs) Whereas if you say, I want to be stylish, I want to be chic, there's just a different level of energy in that. Mm. And if you maybe like people that are listening could rewind the podcast and listen there's a different energy tone that came out on frumpy compared to like stylish, right? It's like mm-hmm. an uplift and an energy. And so shifting from that negative to the positive helps on just so many different levels, um, mm-hmm. your energy, the energy you're putting out and really honing in on specific words. So we talked about the use of like same, but mm. <laughs> and shifting that to the word and. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and so example, you could say, I want this, but it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. You're kind of negating the fact that you want it and you're just then coming to it's too expensive. So you're not letting yourself have it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can say, I want this and it's too expensive, you start to deal with two separate sentences and you mm-hmm. can kind of break that down um, and start to get conscious around what it is you're saying and why you're saying it. And even like reframe this whole phrase of it's too expensive mm-hmm. compared to what? says who, like right, right. who's the are, you know, the in charge of expensive for you. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Probably from some experience yep. a couple years ago or in the past or in childhood, right? Sure. So I have a I do want to dig into some of the typical questions that we ask, particularly with some of yeah. your training around 
time management. That's not the word you used, of course. But first, I have a little bit of an off-the-wall question for you that I hope you don't mind. Because I'm genuinely curious what you think about this. And I'll, I guess I first, I'll first state sort of my observation or opinion, which is that the world and people in general have gotten increasingly negative. And it's, it's interesting. I think it's just been standing out to me lately that there is, and this, you know, leans on that conscious language, but there is such a tendency to, for example, use the phrase, call someone out, right? Or mm-hmm. take someone to task or... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost as though it's flipped from standing up for oneself to almost an attack mode. And so, and I watch, I think, so many human in- interactions that are so negative instead of, you know, even in the workplace or in the client type um, environment where people almost see it as a badge of honor, just like busyness used mm-hmm. to be, um, you know, to be a bit contentious. And so I'm curious um, your opinion on that as well as what responsibility you think you have or we have in general to maybe shift the tone of conversations through conscious language. That was a, that was an unwieldy one, but I suspect you tried. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So my opinion on people calling people out or like, yeah, yeah. I'm both curious about the, some of that negative connotation and then what mm-hmm. responsibility you feel you have or we have as humans to kind of shift some of that conversation if it exists. Yeah, I feel like the thing that came to mind is like either, and it's not a black and white answer, I don't sure. necessarily think, because I think there are definitely really negative instances and I don't particularly, like, I prefer cultures where we don't call each other out, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really like cancel culture. I think it is bandwagony and attacky. Um, I think sometimes there are instances where it might be appropriate for certain people to call out certain people or kind of, I think some of the language sometimes is call in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if it's, like, really, really egregious or it's, like, racist or sexist or something where the person is, like, totally off step. And I've seen that. And so I do think people do you have a responsibility in some of those avenues to do that? And that is going to happen. I think it has to be kind and clear and not bandwagony. And I think oftentimes it just is too much bandwagony, especially when it's like a non, sometimes it's a non issue (laughs) where it's like people are just disagreeing with each other Mm -hmm. and, or someone, I don't know, just like says something and then they, there's so much apologeticness Mm. (laughs) around it. Or they're like, people are really afraid of offending people. Yeah. And so it's just there. Yeah. There's like this balance of how do you, how do you balance it? And I do try to stay out of the drama. Sometimes I, I just call it internet drama. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's like <laughs> all these comments. There's people are in internet drama today. You yes. know, and <laughs> it's almost like a, sometimes like a reference. flash in the pan yeah. too. Sure. And it comes and goes so fast, yeah. which I guess does come back a little bit to kind of my original thing of like, how do you filter what you're sharing mm-hmm. yeah. through that lens of like, yeah honesty and vulnerability, but also being able to stand in what you've said and not personally take in some of those things. And then Mm -hmm. also be able to allow the call in to happen if it needs to, because we do make mistakes, right? Like we do misstep or misunderstand or things like that. Yeah. Um, And I think it probably, yeah, just like can come down to like the individual and then enough people Mm -hmm. (laughs) that maybe we can come back to the collective conscious of like, calling in culture, like in a nice way. Right. 
the internet. I like that you, um, yeah, I like that you actually brought that home, um, because that was less an observation of, you know, people in general, although certainly it is, but, and, and coming back to internet drama, right? Because I think we are, (laughs) I think people are very drawn to that because either it's anonymous or, you know, it's from a safe space behind a screen. And so there's almost, I think, sometimes a tendency on the internet to be bolder or say meaner things that you might never say to a person face to face. And you use the example of, Mm -hmm. you know, dropping into someone's DMs and saying, hello, I'm Beth. You know, it's nice to meet you. I had a quick question and just adding those courtesies. So you've got some great perspective on that. So let's talk about some of those sorts of things around your, your business is so interesting. It's consultative and I presume it's primarily um, virtual. Um, most mm-hmm. of your consultations yeah. are probably via Zoom. And so I'm curious about how you manage your day and your time and you know what does a day look like? Yeah, it is slightly the same and slightly different every day. <laughs> so typical morning is like, my husband and I wake up around, I will just like go through the day. Yes. Um, but like we wake up pretty early. He will do like, he does like Wim Hof breath okay. work. Yes. So he'll do that. That is funny. We had this whole conversation about like things we think we should do and like why we stick with some things and not other things. And I was just like, well, that works for you. I don't particularly love that. So yeah. I do my like meditation hypnosis in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that. And then we usually go rock climbing four days a week. So we are up early. We go to the gym, mm-hmm. do that, come home, usually have breakfast together. And then I'll just, I'll get ready, which depends on the day. Sometimes I'm just like in my leggings. (laughs) Some days I'm, you know, more like camera ready, if you will. Mm -hmm. And depending on the day, depends on like the grouping of tasks that I'm doing. So I have Mm -hmm. a couple, as we know, different things that I do in terms of like styling and then like mindset coaching, business coaching. I also do some freelance grant writing for um, nonprofits and that thing. So like, how do I have it now? So I do time blocking, but okay. I do it like by day. So I really segment it because it's like too much in my brain if I try to think about it all at once, right? So yeah. it's like Tuesdays and Thursdays would be like freelance grant writing work, right? And then okay. like Monday and Wednesday would be styling. And then Friday would be like coaching on the business coaching side mm-hmm. of things. So I kind of segment it that way into yeah. topics. And then just depending on the day, then it's, you know, would be either have a client session and then there's like follow up with the client and send them that. Right. Um, there might be actual client work if it's a styling client of like starting to go through, cool, here's the list, mm-hmm. here's items that I've seen that I want to curate for them. If it's in the coaching side of my business, right now, one of the things I'm working on is templates and scripts for them. So mm-hmm. in that side for coaching, it's helping other stylists really kind of curate their business as well. Mm-hmm. So people love a good script. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of doing that and like working on those forms for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a very different and varied every day, which I think I love because my brain is very like, very organized, very structured. And then there is also the creative side Mm -hmm. too. And so all of these things kind of serve that in a different way. It's neat to hear how you manage them. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually take a nap at some point during the day, just like for 25 minutes because I get tired. Okay. Um, Walk on my treadmill while I work. So I try to get 10,000 steps a day on my treadmill, doing some chicken tending. (laughs) And then usually we have like dinner and maybe we'll maybe go out. We might play some card games. We might read. And then I love to go to bed by nine. Like that is my ideal. If I can be in bed at eight 30, read, go to bed by nine, 
Love that. (laughs) You know, I think people never, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I think people never get tired of hearing how someone else's day and routine looks. It just never ceases to be really interesting to me. And it's such a glimpse, you know, behind the curtain. So very interesting that you um, call yourself very structured and yet creative. I certainly see that as well. And we didn't spend much time talking about the coaching. Um, You have a significant portion of your business dedicated to, as you said, helping other stylists build Mm -hmm. and frame up their businesses, which I suspect you really depend on social media to identify new clients, both on that side and then on the styling side. So how do you go about marketing yourself and your business and your widely varied, but also correlating services? Yeah, definitely through social media. It's Interesting because it is social media and then it is also either like word of mouth or referrals for kind of both. So I kind of look at like a lot of my clients do come from, I've like met them um, or it's word of mouth or referral. I've met with somebody else. And then social media almost serves as this like mini website, mini portfolio in a way or like validation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it lets them kind of, if they don't, aren't ready to jump in right away, they can follow along. They can see if they like me, like they right. like my style, mm-hmm. um, if what I have is actually going to suit them for where they are in their business. Mm-hmm. And so trying to balance social media, not spend all my time on social media. I do. I'm very structured with like putting things in later and like scheduling yeah. my posts or, mm-hmm. you know, popping in at certain times and responding to things. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like I'm a little like reactive in a way. Like I'm mm. not necessarily like super... Like I'm not in my social media, like necessarily trying to find people, but if they, when they come to me, Mm -hmm. I'll like respond to their DM or like I'll DM them and say, Hey, name, (laughs) thanks for following. (laughs) Like start up a little bit of a conversation that way. And like, then kind of engage once they're in my world. And I think some of that's like a bandwidth issue. Like, Mm, sure. I don't necessarily feel like I have the time or want to Mm -hmm. like go through the style, like the hashtag personal stylist, right. And find people and follow them. Right. Um, for better or for worse, you know, no. like I like I could that. Do that. You and also, maybe at some point somebody will, but yeah, no, I think that's interesting because you touched on something that I think we don't acknowledge enough that, you know, a lot of times social media is not so much a direct marketing mechanism and call to action as a validation mechanism. And I like that you talked about someone following along for a while, kind of, I mean, certainly I did. I've kept up with some of your journey and always in the back of my head thought, oh, you know, I need to engage her at some point when it feels right um, from a timing perspective. Yeah. But that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're kind of assessing and validating and watching and then eventually taking action. And it, it does become, you know, the way you present yourself to the world, it becomes a mini portfolio or website, as you said. And then I like that there is some, you know, kind of banter and you've made all of your services and offerings very obvious. It's not terribly difficult for someone to come mm-hmm. and see what you offer and, and what it costs and then to reach out and engage you. And I think that's such a simple method that people forget in terms of just being very organized and then being able to, you know, kind of be creative within those guardrails or those boundaries. So have you you know, been thoughtful and have you evolved the way that you show up online? Did you originally think, oh, I have to do all of these things to market myself and my services versus more of a wait and let the bait, <laughs> you know, let the the prey come to me type mentality? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. As yeah, as you were saying that, I think the thing that shifted most has been recently, I'm more comfortable with just being slower on social mm. media. 
Mm -hmm. like lessening the like intensity of like having to post every day and like, you know, having to come up with things. I think on my, the business coaching side of it, I think I will do like two posts a week, static Mm -hmm. posts, Mm -hmm. and then I'll, you know, show up in stories a couple of times a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. And sometimes before I kind of felt the pressure of like, okay, it has to be four posts a week. And then I have to like, it has to look good. And like, there is a period of time on my feed where it looks terrible, like on the (laughs) business coaching side, like I was just couldn't get it together to like, and that's a a, not a conscious way to explain that. I was just felt overwhelmed and like, you know, so it just doesn't look great. And I've kind of have gotten back to that. Right. But I've gotten back to it because, or to the nice looking feed, because I'm going slower at a slower yeah. pace. And yeah. I think I've come to accept that that's fine. <laughs> like, right. We And I would rather, and I think maybe now it's just finally clicked, but put out maybe more quality things than quantity or like mm-hmm. do a reel when I'm inspired or have a fun idea right. for it instead of trying to force feeling compelled some yeah. of those things. Because it is something that I've kind of wrestled with a little bit is there are aspects where I don't necessarily feel like I'm super like creative, like in terms of the art or like mm. graphics or mm-hmm. things like that, especially when I look at like graphic designer friends, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's so good. Right. And I don't know, this could be my own perception is not reality, but sometimes I feel like I don't do as well in that area. Mm. Um, so I feel like for me, it takes a little more work. So I do have to go slow to do yeah. that. That's good advice. And I think so often, particularly in the early days of social media and influencer marketing, there, you know, was such an expectation or a rule that, you know, you have to post every day, you have to post consistently. And certainly that's true. You know, you can't just turn it off for four months or six months and expect to maintain, which I suspect is why when you were, you know, struggling with things in your personal life, it was very hard for you to focus and produce that content and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. feel genuine about it. But I really love your perspective around, you know, just slowing down and putting it out as you're inspired and, um, you know, getting comfortable with that. It's like being comfortable with white space or silence in a conversation. Mm -hmm. It can feel a little stressful. (laughs) So, okay. Question for you. Who, I have a couple of questions around this, but specifically, who do you enjoy following on social media or on the internet? Are there particular accounts or individuals who you turn to? There are. They're kind of segmented. I have like a personal account on my personal account. I follow like home blogger things. And I am trying to like merge these things. So it's not, you know, (laughs) all over the place. Because sometimes I overwhelm myself with my organization. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) there's one particular woman in the interior design world that I follow, Shavonda Gardner. And I love her because she's interior design. She also talks about fashion. She has great Mm -hmm. fashion style. She also talks about what it's like to be a black queer woman living in California Mm -hmm. in today's like day and age. And so, and she has these really great conversations just with her followers that she kind of mm. shares to the world, like through her, you yeah. know, DMs. And yeah. she was one of the first people mm. that I followed that brought up social media boundaries. Um, mm, and so I just love, love following her as this like strong woman with like all this great style and perspective and yeah, everything there. And so she's just always an inspiration in that avenue. I also really enjoy following Melissa Urban She's okay. co-founder and now, I guess, CEO of Whole30, which is mm-hmm. like the 30-day lifestyle yes. uh, program, which I personally have done so many times, like eight times. I love it. Okay. Um, I also just enjoy following her for her different perspectives on things too. So she yeah. like talks a lot about boundaries and mm-hmm. she has done a lot of therapy and inner work. And yes. it is, it's just interesting to see people showing up on Instagram in that real and vulnerable way and talking about things that matter. 
right? Yes. Sometimes I just feel like there's so many people that, I don't know, it's just like filler content or like things that other people might be afraid or shy away from talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably that is some of me like also kind of seeing that in them and like wanting to do more of that myself, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding those like strong figures to kind of look at. Those are great examples. Too. Even there's sometimes I don't always agree either. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has a new book, I think, coming out perhaps. Yeah, Melissa I Urban. think it is. It is a book on boundaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that just recently. So I keep up with her as well. I did Whole30 once or twice and... Then I feel like, um, okay, I graduated. I've got some good <laughs> learnings from that. And I don't need to go through that again. <laughs> I enjoy wine too much. <laughs> so. I, yeah, I know. That's, that is my downfall. Good. Well, that and chocolate and pizza. So. Yeah, exactly. Basically all the things. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Okay. So one of the questions I enjoy asking, and we kind of break it into two iterations is, you know, what are you devouring? And I always consider that to be content. So it might be a show you're watching, Mm -hmm. a podcast you're listening to, you know, something you're reading, all of those sorts of things. And then the other is something that you're so into. And sometimes that's an object or a habit Mm -hmm. or a hobby. So we can take those in any order you'd like. Um, But what are you devouring and what are you so into? Okay. Um, (laughs) So things I'm devouring. Well, oh yeah, sorry. My cat is here. Um, I don't have a TV. I don't know if you can see him. Yes, I I can see him here. So... (laughs) I don't watch TV. And some of that is like to not just get into the negativity and the drama of things. Um, And I'll hear it as I need to and it comes. But I do love, I love a podcast called Expanded. It's by Lacey Phillips. And so she has a really interesting, unique hypnosis modality as well that she does. So helping people work through subconscious stuff. And then I would say pop fashion is one of my favorites. It's like a fashion Mm. They call it a fashion comedy podcast. Okay. <laughs> and so they will share like fashion crimes where people like heisted <laughs> bags from a store or something. Um, but then they also get into like the political side of stuff of like what was happening to the diamond trade when hmm. Russia invaded Ukraine. Like, because there were some things that went on with that. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. And so I love those podcasts and I love listening to them. Um, That's so great. And it references, I yeah. think, something that I enjoy about you, which is that you um, you, you do obviously work in style and fashion, but I, I don't find it trite. I don't find it that you're, which, you know, maybe you want to talk about in a moment because you do a lot with sustainable yeah. fashion and conscious purchases mm-hmm. and it's less about what's super trendy and stylish and more about, you know, the underlying you know, how we show up and how we present ourselves to the world. Do you want to dig into that at all? Yeah. I think some of that probably comes from when I first started my blog, it was very focused on shopping secondhand first. Like that Mm -hmm. was kind of how my niche sort of developed. And I just loved thrifting and putting together these outfits. And it was a way that I could sort of stand out back then in the day. And it was also just a way for me to get dressed and wear things that no one else was necessarily having yes. um, at the same time as me and just really have a fun wardrobe. Okay. And as like a benefit, it's, you know, good for the environment and it like costs less like yeah. <laughs> than if you shop, right? And, or you shop retail. And I definitely still shop retail for things as well, but I just love finding that cool thing. And so I think part of that you know, I never really could necessarily do a lot of the things influencers did. Like I couldn't link my stuff because it came from the thrift store, like a secondhand right. boutique. And so it was older, it wasn't active. And so that has probably contributed to, to kind of the not really like consumerism yeah. 
feel of my work. And I definitely yeah. emphasize too, like you don't need, probably you don't need to shop. People don't really need to shop. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you do, it needs to be for very specific intentional things. Yes. They're going to have a purpose in your wardrobe and really fill a hole. Yes. Instead of thinking, you know what that hole is, it's really figuring it out by getting dressed or going through my process. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times we think we need something, but we actually don't. Mm-hmm. We just created this hole in our head and haven't done the <laughs> physical work of finding out, oh, this would be really useful to me. Right. I really like that you emphasize that. That was one of the things that was very compelling to me is, um, you know, I'm not a huge shopper. It's, it's not a habit or a hobby or something that I enjoy. And I think it is very easy for this trade or, you know, this line of work to be very consumerism oriented. And obviously in influencer marketing, it is, it's very consumer driven, yeah. right? It's consumer packaged goods. Mm-hmm. And we're often attempting to persuade and, you know, inspire purchase. So I think that's a very interesting mindset that you have. My, before I hit you with that other question, my item I'm devouring right now, normally it's books. I'm, I'm with you. I'm usually, mm-hmm. I'm not much of a TV watcher. I'm more of a, a reader or an audiobook kind of gal, but I also um, have a lifelong love of magazines. I think it's what got me yeah. into marketing and advertising originally, mm-hmm. um, which is a terribly wasteful habit. And so I went through a number of years of Like I like that sort of short format and I like how a magazine is put together. I always enjoyed the advertising. Mm -hmm. I think I just like the craft of magazine publishing, but I tried to kind of break up with it because it felt like, oh, I hate to have this, you know, wasteful, all of these magazines arriving every single month. And so I did digital for a while. And I think I broke a lot of those habits of having an excessive number of magazines either purchased or subscribed to. So recently I allowed a magazine back into my life called Whalebone. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's really, really interesting. The internet knows me well, so it was served up to me and it's, it's published, I think in Maine, maybe I may be completely off on that. Um, but it is just beautiful and well-executed, well-crafted, you know, nice paper, high quality, but then the stories Mm -hmm. and the writing are impeccable as well. And so I've only gotten a couple of issues. It's very coffee table-ish. So that feels like an investment as well because it's great writing and they tend to really lean into a topic. So the one I received most recently was the national parks issue. And so it's really, yeah, you would love it. I think. Um, I know. Yeah. I I know immediately. I was like, yes, this is up your alley. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it's just something I enjoy having around and now it's in my guest room. So when my daughter visited recently, she was, oh, what is this national parks issue? I'm really into this. So that's my devour lately. What are you so into? I'm going to go look it up. It's great. Um, (laughs) I'm really into my chickens. (laughs) Can your cat hear? Yes. The cats and the chickens get along fine. They're kind of, they're like ambivalent about each other. Um, but yeah, we got chickens in March and I love my chicken Facebook groups and just chickens are wild, wild animals. And I love having them. I have this great, um, I will have to find it because I can't think of the precise handle and perhaps you always already follow her, but there's a it's like chickens and cocktails account. Oh my gosh. It's I have to fantastic. This. And she's very stylish as well. She has it. this, I think it's chickens and cocktails, but I might be making that up. So if we'll, it's not, we'll drop I it in need this. to go get that. I will find because... it and send it to you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> drop it in the show notes as okay. well. Cause this is a critical <laughs> follow, I feel. <laughs> she also I, does I a agree. lot of gardening and home stuff. So I feel like you'd really enjoy oh, it. Cool. So yeah, yeah, she's great. <laughs> 
That's so fun. Well, okay. Any final, I could talk to you all day and ask you 50 more questions, but I'm going to be conscious of our time. So any kind of parting thoughts as you think about people and how they show up on the internet, as well as how they show up as themselves, any, any hot takes or tips? Yeah. I think how they show up for themselves or how they show up as themselves is interesting. I think that's something I've been thinking about and mulling over even for myself. Cause like, sometimes I feel like I am my most self, like with my husband and that's like kind of the one person, right. That I like right. have, there's no filters, like it's yeah. just me and it's like so freeing and it's so awesome. And so then how do you translate that <laughs> into social media? Because it does feel very performative sometimes. Um, yeah. And I think the answer is probably different for every person. I think for me, it probably is like sharing a little more of those um, deeper things or the things that like I've worked through because previously I think I was like pretty like closed off and reserved. And I would say previously, like prior to my divorce and all the inner work. And Mm so (laughs) I've had people tell me that they thought I didn't like them and like good friends of mine. And (laughs) I know they're just like, I didn't know with you. Um, And so it's like, okay, I want to (laughs) like not be like so reserved and like closed off and have as, so I think that's what I'm working on of like showing up as myself is like, sharing these things, the deeper part of things, and just kind of letting that go, like what people think might think of you, mm-hmm. which is way harder to do than it, is. Yeah. it sounds. Because um, yeah. it's always the question of, will people accept me? Will they still like me? Like yeah. all of those things. And it's usually just all in our head and we've made it up or we've had like a couple experiences that's confirmed that. And we haven't had enough experiences of people accepting ourselves because we've not shown that. I'm just like processing this right now as I'm telling it to no, you. <laughs> um <laughs> But, but yeah, that's so what I, I think, think makes it approachable. Me. Yeah. And so somebody else might be able to kind of take that and use that to sort of filter her, not filter, but show up and use social media and have their influence and keep the integrity, yeah. but have it be like approachable. And, and then, because at the end of the day, that is what like we're human. So like, why yeah. is there the things we try to hide or yeah, why not? When a lot of times those are the things that other people connect to, right? When we're bold enough or willing to kind of share and show them. I always say that I'm so glad that that happily brief era of over filtering and over stylizing the aesthetic on social media has passed. And that, I mean, you brought it all home here in that remark that we all seem to kind of revert back to in all of these conversations, which is that it is about authenticity. And sometimes even that word, I think gets misconstrued as, well, I don't know, but it really is just being vulnerable and showing mm-hmm. up as your real self and and putting yourself out there and and being willing to experience some discomfort versus, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that my persona, the way I present myself to the world, my social media profiles have to be, you know, sheer perfection for them to resonate with anyone. So I think that's a great parting shot, yeah. Sydney. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate you joining. It was great to talk with you. We've spent most of the morning talking to one another, which is I fun. I know. So. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining. It's been great to have you. And we'll drop lots of links to everything you do in the show notes. So take care. Awesome. Thanks, Sydney. Thank you so much. You bet. <laughs> 